still standing after uh, D-Now. That is always uh, two of the big accomplishments and the other is getting the gospel out and I am so glad uh, that you had a chance to be a part of that and to do that with other churches. That is a neat experience and I'm, I'm glad to see that developing, happening, and continuing to develop. Uh, let me just say some, some other words of, of thanks as we get going today. Uh, thank you for being a church that does what you do in the international area and, and your partnership in that with Stitch Ministries. We appreciate that, and that is something we are looking forward to seeing what God is going to do again as you go to the Dominican Republic again this year. But also thank you for being a church that is a place where our staff and our kids from homes for, for, for children can come and grow and be fed. That is a remarkable thing and that is a very needed thing and we appreciate that greatly. I had a very unusual conversation this morning through the uh, wonders of technology. As I was driving over with my wife Judith, we were able to talk with our daughter who is in the Middle East and uh, you're, you're, this church helped support her uh, for a time when, when she was in India several years ago. And, and now uh, she's in the Middle East with her new husband and they are making their way and trying to live there as Christians and as they work to proclaim the gospel there. And she has a very important interview. She's always wanted to teach overseas. That has been her heart. She's a teacher at heart. And uh, so she has an interview uh, this coming week in a position there. So your prayers there and, and thank you for helping to raise her as a church to understand and to be someone who is not afraid to go to a place internationally and, and share the gospel. Those roots began here and we are grateful for that and we appreciate that. Now, uh, this is not my first time to preach after disciple now. I've done this many, many times and what I've come to the conclusion about on these kinds of Sundays is my ability to preach exceeds many of your abilities to stay awake after Disciple Now. So we're going to focus on the Lord's Supper today because we need to do that from time to time. And we need to stop and to, to just focus on this time. And it, it's a great way to, you might say, conclude Disciple Now. It is also a great way to, to just stop from time to time and remind ourselves of what Jesus has done for us. Now, I know some of you are guests and, and you're, you're wondering how, how do we do this. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you know that he has saved you and you've given your heart and your life to him and he has changed you as a believer in Jesus Christ, whether you're a member of this church or not, we invite you to, to partake in this. For those of you who are not at that place yet, then this is a time still to participate, to be involved, and, and maybe today there's some things that we can say that will help you in that, to help you to understand what this relationship with Jesus is all about, why we do what we do here, and why it is maybe different than maybe some other places and other churches. I've wondered this week when the disciples really began to do this, after Jesus instituted it on a Passover evening, and this that had gone on for hundreds of years through God's people, it now has a new meaning, and it took on something different. How long did it take for them to really pick up 
that, was it the next Passover, or when, when did it really become what we know as it in the church today? Maybe it will help just to look back and, and to see something of, of what Luke records about that evening and to help us to understand there's a danger here. This is a, this is a time where we experience God's love and his presence and his power in a real way. But there is also a risk to that. And that's, that's what I want us to, to be aware of today, the love of God, but also our response to God. So take your Bibles with me and turn to Luke chapter 22 and find verse 14. Luke chapter 22 and then verse 14 as Luke describes what we would call the Last Supper, the institution of the Lord's Supper, changing Passover into this new thing that we now celebrate today and that we come to this table to do as a church. In Luke 22, verse 14, Luke writes, When the hour came, Jesus and his apostles reclined at a table. They didn't have chairs. They were around the table on the floor. And he said to them, I have eagerly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I tell you, I will not eat it again until it finds fulfillment in the kingdom of God. In other words, this is about to change, men. We're about to fulfill what this has always been pointing to, and there will be a time where it will point back to what is about to happen in my life and in your life in this next two or three days to come. Now, as part of that, in verse 17, this Passover, it says, After taking the cup, he gave thanks. He said, Take this and divide it among you, as they would the Passover, time and the elements for the Passover. For I tell you, I will not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. In other words, this is about to be a mark of a change, men, a big change. Verse 19, and he took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to them, saying, This is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, after the supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is poured out for you. I wish he could stop there, but he goes on to explain what's really going on. And in all honesty and in all love and in all fulfillment of who he was to know the hearts of men, he said this, but the hand of him who is going to betray me is with mine at the table. The Son of Man will go, as it's been decreed, but woe to that man who betrays him. They began to question among themselves which one of them it would be and who, who would do this. Also, a dispute arose among them as to which one of them was considered the greatest. Father, thank you that sometimes you confront us in your love and your graciousness to the condition of our heart and our lives. And though you know it fully, more fully than we do, you still, 
love us. And it is because of your grace and your goodness that we find connection to you, not because of our goodness or of our effort. Lord, you knew that night those men would fail you, and you loved them anyway. And that night you washed their feet, and that night you told them how this celebration, this thing that they had done in their families for generations now has a new meaning in Jesus. God, thank you that we can celebrate that new meaning and we can have that life in us that changes us. And truly, when we are confronted with that love, points us to a new way, a different way, a way of life and a way of power. We ask today that we would not walk away from here the same, that we would encounter your love and we would encounter your goodness and your grace and we would encounter ourselves as we really are, but you as you really are, and we would walk away different. In Jesus' name, amen. See, part of what it, it, it dawned on me that they would look back on this night, and it would be a hard thing to do this in remembrance of him because they realized they'd all failed him. No one that night went away from that table unchanged. It was a huge moment in all of their lives. It was a huge moment in the life of the church and in the, in the work of God. And in some ways, that's, that danger for them is the danger for us. Let, let me just explain that a little bit more. As we've just seen, and Jesus has already pointed out to in numerous other times in Scripture, he predicted his betrayal, he be predicted his denial, he predicted that they would all run, he predicted that he would be arrested, he would be tried, he would be given over to the Gentiles, he would say, and they would beat him. And they would mock him, and they would crucify him. But on the third day, he would rise again. And they could not grasp that. In looking back, I'm sure they did it much more clearly than they could in that moment. And we have to give them some benefit of the doubt there. There was just so much that they could not grasp until it was done. But every man in that upper room walked away either better or walked away worse. No one walked away the same. Judas would betray him for 30 pieces of silver and lead the crowd to arrest him in the garden just a few hours after this. Peter would follow along, and though he said he would go to death in following Jesus, he would deny three times to three different people, one just a little girl, that he even knew Jesus. And then the cock crowed, and he went out and wept bitterly. And all of them ran. And all of them deserted him. And he told them he, that they would do that. Now, why is it dangerous for us? Because we don't come here unchanged either. When we really encounter the love of God and the knowledge of God of who we are, and we don't accept it, then we don't walk away better, we walk away worse. 
None of us walk away unchanged. We can walk away better if we realize that what he is saying to us that may be hard for us to hear is true. And if we realize he says that in love and he is trying to give us something that we need to receive so that we can be changed, then we walk away better. We walk away changed. They didn't feel it immediately. They didn't know it immediately. And, and there's no way for us to walk away from here and go to our car and say, okay, am I better, am I worse? Not sure. But he gives us enough things to think about and do even here and even now and to understand about how he confronts us with this love. John, when he would write this, and as I was looking through the different ways that this night was recorded, John would be more about the conversation than about what actually happened in, in the elements and the different things. He would be much more centered on what was said. Though he records that Jesus washed their feet before this dinner. John puts it this way in John 13. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Or, as it is translated another way, he showed them the full extent of his love. Knowing who they were and loving them anyway. Not just in washing Judas's feet or Peter's feet or all of their feet, but this whole night, this whole way of him in one motion going from this table to the cross and to the tomb and to be raised again. He wanted to show them something that they could see about him and about who they were and about their need for him if they were ready to accept it. They failed to do that. They had a dispute among them about who, who might would do this. And then there arose among them a dispute, a dispute, an argument about who was considered the greatest. At the table where Jesus has just said this to them, they're having an argument about who's in charge. About who does what and who gets to do what and who shouldn't do what. And they missed it. They missed some very important things that we can miss as well. Because in a sense, they made it about themselves and not about him. They, they made it about how they were going to follow Jesus and what they were going to do and missed what he was doing to reach out to them to do something in their hearts and their lives that they desperately needed done but they did not understand that they needed it. See, that, that is the danger, is that we would miss something so very clear and we would not walk away unchanged. Paul would pick this up, and in, in, in 1 Corinthians 11, he's, he's getting on to the church about how they mess up this time that we're about to celebrate. So it would be good for us just to hear what he has to say, though it is hard, and there's a lot more than what we can get to this morning. But he would tell them, So whoever eats the bread and drinks of the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. So how do we fix that? He says it. 
Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ eat and drink judgment on themselves. And that is why many among you are weak and sick, and a number of you have fallen asleep. So is he saying this is deadly? Well, it is deadly spiritually. Because again, we don't come to a place like this and walk away the same. We're either better or worse. We're closer or further. We're more alive or more dead. So what do we do? He says a couple of things. We examine ourselves. And we discern what this really is about. This is not a ritual that I use to get to God. There's nothing, no power in in the juice and the wafer and this little cup. The power is in you meeting with God right now. And you receiving from some, something from him that he is trying to share with you. To show you about yourself and about him and about how he still loves you. No matter your failings, no matter your faults, no matter your difficulties. And maybe in some ways he's trying to say you may not be as well off as you think you are. You have something you need from me. Hear me. Receive it. Know that you need it. Admit that you need it. We come here in in its sense to receive something. Not to get something. Not, Not to earn something. Not to be able to do this so I can feel better about me. Or to check this off to say I've done it. Or to say yes I went to church and we did this. I feel better about me. We receive something from him about who he is and about the way he loves us. We talk a lot about things that are unseen and things you can't touch and things that are by faith and not by sight, and that is all true, and and we need to grow in that. But here he gives us a time and a place where we can come together with other believers, and there is something we can touch and something we can see and something we can taste and something that is real and that is physical that reminds us he is real. And he still lives among us. And he still walks among us. And he still wants to give us something that maybe we have not yet received. We are commanded and we are called to love the Lord our God with all of our heart and our soul and our mind and our strength. And that is a good thing to face. And this is a way of doing that because we have something that is part of our heart. We're called to do this out of a relationship. It is something that we are called to do in our mind to do this in remembrance of him. What has Jesus done in your life? What is he doing in your life? We're called to to love him with our strength. We, We have actually something physical that comes inside of us and it reminds us we need something of him in us not about us and not around us and not just in our knowledge but something of him in us and it's only his love and his grace that gets us there now here's the irony of it and and this may be as simply as, as I know how to put it 
if we truly examine ourselves, and if we truly discern this time, then what we come to is a sense in many ways that we feel unworthy, and that's a sign that we're doing it right. That we haven't earned this, we're not entitled to this. This is something he gives to us out of his grace and his goodness just to love us for a moment and remind us of that. But if we come to this time saying, I've done this before, I know what to do, I know that I have grown so much and I've become so much more than I was and this is just another way of me fulfilling what I know I need to become, then, then we've lost sight of him and our eyes are back on us and that is where we are in danger of failing. Forces us to confront the reality of himself. Some of you who were here when I was here, you will know that I've stood at this place and I've shared a little bit of my story. I grew up in a little church out in the country and I was a good kid. Everybody told me I was a good kid. And those days, on your report card, you still had a place for deportment. Some of you have no idea what that is. No, I was not about to be deported or anything like that. But that had to do with how, you, how good you were in class and with others and how you got, did you play well with others? Did you get along with others? I was the top in my class in deportment. But yet when I got to be 11 years old and I realized, okay, this is not just about when I become old enough I get to do this someday in church and partake the Lord's Supper. This is about something between me and Jesus. And though everybody told me I was a good kid, my heart kept telling me you are a sinner in need of Jesus Christ. And the weight of trying to be a good enough kid to get to God overwhelmed me, even at 11, and I knew I could not do it anymore. But it was at this time and in this place in that little church that I began to really realize that, and it would later lead to a conversation with my parents that would lead to this day, a day, when I would give my heart and my life to Jesus, admit that I was a sinner, and I could not undo that. I could not fix that. I could not be good enough to counter that. I needed a Savior, and he saved me, and he's not stopped saving me, and I have not stopped needing saving, and sometimes that becomes very, very clear. We have a moment now to really think about that. What do you need to receive from him today? What is it he's trying to give you? What is it he's been trying to tell you and show you and say to you about your relationship with him? We have a chance to do that before we partake this. And maybe this day you can partake this time out of a relationship, not out of ritual. You can do this as something that is real between you and God and receive something from him, maybe like you've never received before, and not walk away the same. Father God, we come here today, and we pray as we enter this time of invitation, you would prepare our hearts to really respond to you not just to a time where our church does something and where it's expected of me to do something along with everybody else. But we come to this time and to this place where 
God, you want to show us something, revealing yourself and revealing ourselves in revealing a provision for a need that we find in no other place and in no other way than admitting our need of it and believing in faith that you love us enough to provide it and to change us in it. That's what we ask today. That each one of us would respond at this moment discerning who you are and what this means and what you're saying, examining ourselves in light of your word to us, in light of your love for us, in light of who we truly know ourselves to be, but also in light of what we know you to be and who we know you to be. Help us to respond and to be ready in this moment to respond in the ways you would have us to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now there's a time.